0: Hey, Jason Rogers here, and in this video, I'm gonna be talking about how we structured the capital stack, aka the financing, for our Nebraska deal. But first, another question I've been getting asked is what have you learned from this process? What have you learned in having gone from goose egg, no business, no real idea of what you're doing to securing a seven-figure deal, making it happen, closing it, What have you learned? A Couple of things. One, people will doubt you. A lot of people will doubt you. Some of the closest people to you, in many cases, will doubt you. It just is what it is. It's honestly just because people get nervous. They don't know better, so they will worry. They will doubt you. They will, yeah, they will question you repeatedly. So, be ready for that if you decide to start a business and grow it, perhaps via acquisition, like we talk about here. That's number one. Secondly, I will share with you probably the most important skill set you can have in proving those non believers wrong and getting your first deal done and then moving on to subsequent deals and moving on to becoming a proficient operator in your industry, probably the most important thing you can learn is the ability to stay certain that you will be successful in the long term, irrespective of how you feel, what you think, and what others say. Like I shared a minute ago, I had a lot of doubters, and you'll have a lot of doubters, too. It's just part of the territory. Likewise, you will be overwhelmed, uncomfortable, uncertain. You will be doing things you've never done before. You will be put into new, novel, unknown situations repeatedly repeatedly it's your ability to still stay confident even amongst that uncertainty and most importantly to communicate certainty to your team to your board if you have a board to bankers to potential investors to potential sellers you need to stay certain easier said than done but it's What goes on between the years that's so important and then what you say and speak into the the marketplace that will have a huge impact because if you start doubting yourself, doubting the project, if you start not believing that you'll be successful and if you start saying that you don't know if you'll be successful, your board will lose interest, your team will lose interest, sellers will lose interest, banks will lose interest, investors if you need to go down that route will lose interest. The wheels will fall off the cart. And then lastly, before we dive into the capital stack, I would say the third lesson I've learned is that if you need to raise equity, that raising equity is a lot easier to raise than debt because equity is all about upside. Equity investors are looking for upside, whereas debt and bankers, they're trying to mitigate downside. In my conversations with a host of different bankers and investors alike, what I can tell you is that It's easier to communicate to investors than it is to communicate with bankers by a long shot. We never had a tough time with equity in this deal. As a side note, in commercial real estate, it's pretty much impossible to do no money down deals. I'm sure some guy somewhere at some point did it, but as opposed to taking five years to try to do a no money down all debt deal, we just, you know, ultimately we have 12% equity in our deal, 88% seller finance, and we procured a $67,000 line of credit, I did actually. That line of credit was the the crown jewel of the whole capital stack. It's procured at 3.5%, which was a killer steal. But it's easier to get people to buy into your vision when they're interested in upside than it is to sell banks, because banks, irrespective of how successful your project is, will only get the principal plus the interest that you agree upon upfront and that's not gonna be a huge interest rate unless if you get taken for a ride by the bank. But now I'll quickly talk about the bank financing because that's probably the most difficult part. What I will say to you firstly is we basically called, and when I say we, I mean myself and and the individual who actually initially found the deal that I then negotiated with the seller, we called every single bank within about a 100 mile radius of the acquisition target itself. We called every bank. I called about 60 or 70% of the banks and my partner, uh, one of my business partners called about the other 30%. From there, he and I, and mainly I, and he helped aligned about eight or nine, maybe 10 different bank meetings where basically I scheduled and we scheduled financial presentations where I presented. From those, let's call it 10 meetings, I really don't know exactly, but we'll just say 10, a simple number. From that, about five of them had considerable interest, about five of them didn't from that point and as a side note some of the reasons they didn't have considerable interest is a i didn't have a super high net worth or anything really remotely remotely near it especially when at, at the time my net worth is higher now than it was then right so that was one reason why you know hey, you don't have enough net worth young man another reason is ah, we're not comfortable with the asset class but there were plenty of banks who were, who were definitely giving us interest There were about five Of those, there was one banker that I felt really confident we were going to do the deal with. I actually made this financial presentation. It was, I think, my third or fourth financial presentation, and I'll never forget. He's the number two guy in the bank. It's a five branch bank, and he's a real decision maker, right? And we had our presentation, and I finished up, and I remember he looked at me and said, when we walked out of his office, he said, young man, I am extremely excited about doing business with you, and I can't wait to be a part of this project. And he actually didn't call me young man, but it was almost like that. That like, hey guy, like, you know, I'm extremely excited about this project and I can't wait to be a part of it. Something like that, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it was a very, very, very positive statement. And he immediately emailed me as soon as I left his office and we were going back and forth. We're passing along the information he needs. We're getting along very well. And then just like that, he goes silent, silent. And I'm thinking to myself, what happened? Two days later, I get an email back from him. He says, Jason, I'm so sorry, but we've been audited. I'm completely out of the count for the next 30 to 60 days. And so my main guy, he's gone. And as a side note, when you sign a PSA, you really only have, I think in our PSA, we had 90 days to execute the deal in full, right? So if he was off the grid for about 30 to 60 days, that pretty much meant he was out of the running. But because I was speaking to a host of other banks, I engaged with them. And long story short, there was one bank. There was one bank that was too conservative. There was one bank that wasn't comfortable with the asset class. There was one bank that just was having a tough time making a decision. And then there was one last bank that was really working out, besides the guy that had fallen off because. He had gotten audited, right? So there was still one bank besides the guy that had gotten audited that was really pretty interested, and ultimately, he told me that he could do a nine hundred thousand dollar loan at a six point two five percent interest rate on a twenty-year amortization schedule on a three-year balloon, which I was not super happy with. And I'll back up real quickly because what we had initially articulated in the PSA was is that we were going to procure. A banknote of about nine hundred thousand dollars that the seller was gonna assume a second position match the interest rate of our first lien note on a thirty year am six on a thirty year am five-year note and, and then you know we were gonna put about a hundred K in equity in but that three-year note I was really uncomfortable about and at this point the seller and I were building more rapport he and I had a good relationship at this point. We happen to have a really good relationship now. I think as a side note, one of the reasons why we have a good relationship and had at that point a good relationship is because I kept my word with him. I did what I said I would do and I said what I would do, right? You do what you say and do it, you, you know, and, and say what you do, right? We also got along well, which maybe was, was a positive impact, but ultimately irrespective of the reason or reasons, I think he trusted me and he's actually told me that he, that he did did and does and I know he, he trusts me to a pretty substantial degree because he came to me around that time when the bank was offering us that $900,000 loan where the seller was then gonna carry the $275,000 note, right, so most of our capital stack was coming together, but that first lien position note from the bank at 6.25% on the 20-year M, it was a three-year note, that's a three-year balloon, that's pretty quick, and after one year of operations, you already gotta start thinking about refinancing. Well, the seller came to me and said, Do you know what, I'll make you an offer, and he did. He offered to assume a first position note of 1.125 million on a 20-year amortization schedule at 6% on a five-year balloon, not three, five. And I accepted, I said yes. From there, we moved pretty quickly. I procured, I believe it's a $67,000 line of credit. I believe I talked about this earlier in the video at a really low 3.5%, I believe it is interest rate which is what we're using as our overfinance, and we got the thing done. And so that's how we got our first deal done. What I would say to you again is it's the debt that's the most difficult part. For some of you, you know, in different asset classes where maybe you're buying assets, businesses, or real estate and only three or four or five times earnings, and generally speaking, you're not gonna be able to buy real estate for that type of a valuation, but you will be able to buy certain types of businesses in certain industries at that valuation there you may be able to only use commercial debt. But in commercial real estate, you're pretty much gonna need, you're gonna need to either have a net worth that you can deploy liquid cash into the down payment or you're gonna need to, to fundraise equity. But I wouldn't be terrified about fundraising equity. Fundraising equity, I can tell you, I'll make more videos about debt versus equity, but equity's all about selling the upside, debt's all about mitigating downside. Debt's harder to sell because the banker wants to be certain that he's not gonna not get his principal plus his interest back. So unless if you're going to a bank that's really hungry for business, it can be a bit more difficult to procure debt than it is, I would say, to procure equity. But ultimately, that's how we got the deal done. We're now on the hunt for other deals. We are only gonna do deals that make a ton of sense, though in the future we'll probably only really be working with with tenant owned homes, and I won't go into the, the industry specifics of what we're doing, but we, we're really happy with our acquisition. We're really happy with how things have worked out. We, we, we can't wait to do more deals, but we're not going to rush, right? We really believe in the Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger principle that you want to buy great assets. You never want to get too jumpy to do a deal, right? You investigate before you invest. You really want to feel confident in what you're buying. You want to make sure that it fits into your company's scaling processes that you're not overextending yourself so fast that you ultimately go bankrupt because trust me there's many businesses that have tried to grow through acquisition that have tried to scale too fast and they haven't created economies of scale, they haven't had the right operational processes in play and they've gone bankrupt. So we really wanna make sure obviously that we scale on one end aggressively but also pragmatically. This is actually the original thesis I have for Brighter Living that we need to blend equal parts of aggression with pragmatism. And I believe if and when we continue to follow that thesis, we will be extremely successful in the future. So that's it in regards to our first deal. That's how we got it done. If you have more questions, share them below. If you like this video, thumbs it up. Helps me keep helping you. And again, any comments, questions, drop them below. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you're really looking for more content regarding how we're growing our business from scratch, I tell you in real time how we're doing it. And if you're interested in maybe me talking more about debt, seller finance, equity, or deal flow, these are different things we can talk about in subsequent videos. So let me know in the comments below and I'll talk to you in the next one.